Luke chapter 24 and verse 21 says, We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Verse 28, By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on But they begged him, come on, read it with me. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. A week ago today, we celebrated the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. My goodness, we had an amazing time. If you were here last week, we had a glorious celebration. It was an amazing day together. We began to make discoveries from the empty tomb. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord leading us today to discover what followed from that first Easter Sunday morning. What followed from that first Easter? From this passage in Luke's Gospel, we have before us one of the most vivid and insightful accounts of our Lord's appearances after his resurrection. In fact, Luke is the only one of the four gospel writers to include this story. And this is the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Two disciples of Jesus are leaving Jerusalem. They're going home. This is a distance of about seven miles or 11 kilometers They have traveled to Jerusalem. They've been there for the week, the entire week for Passover. And on this 11-kilometer walk, these two are returning. They're returning home discouraged. They're returning home downcast. They're even arguing among themselves. The scripture says, as they walk, they reason together. You look up the word reason, it means to argue or to dispute. They're bewildered. They're confused. And the words in verse 21 reveal the reason why they are so despondent. The scripture we began with today, we had hoped. We had hoped he was the Messiah. Their hopes have been shattered. However, oh, hallelujah, they would make a discovery that would once again renew their hopes and that would forever change their lives. 
This Sunday following Easter today, I want to minister this message, Discovering Hope When Hope Seems Lost. Discovering Hope When Hope Seems Lost. First, I want to talk a little bit about discovery. 2022 for us is the year of discovery. Living the Christian life is a journey of discovery. In fact, to thrive in the Christian faith, you must make or continue to make discoveries. Living the Christian life is it's a, it's a journey of discovery. And if you're going to thrive as a believer, you're going to have to continue to make discoveries. This is why the Lord... I believe, gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into discovering and unveiling to us the truth and that we come to discoveries consistently or continually. Discovery is at the beginning, the center, and the conclusion of Christ coming to earth to fulfill the plan of the ages. And the plan of the ages that Christ came to fulfill was to redeem man, fallen man, back to God. And we have discovery at the beginning, at the center, at the conclusion. From the outset in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. Matthew 1, 18, after his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So from the outset, it was discovered before they came together, she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. It was to be a journey of discovery for his parents. In Luke chapter 2, verse 46, it says, Three days later, Joseph and Mary finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. This was a journey of discovery for Joseph and Mary. This was a journey of discovery for those who would follow him as his disciples. John chapter 1 and verse 41. Early in the morning, Andrew came across his brother and said to him, We have made discovery. It is the Messiah, which is to say the Christ. And he took him to Jesus. Looking at him fixedly, Jesus said, You are Simon, the son of John. Your name will be Cephas, which is to say Peter. Discovery. You see it all throughout. As Christ came to earth to fulfill the plan of the ages, discovery from the beginning right through. In fact, Christ himself proclaimed it was only by making or taking this journey of discovery that one would find the way to access his kingdom life. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3, Jesus said, Go in by the narrow door, for wide is the door and open is the way which goes to destruction, and great numbers go by it. For narrow is the door and hard the road to life, and only a small number make discovery of it. And we have a good number of that small number here today. We're 
desiring to discover even more. And then the most glorious of all, that very first Easter, which we considered last Sunday, Luke 24, verse 3, on entering, they discovered that the body of the Lord Yeshua was gone. They discovered that the body of the Lord Yeshua was gone. Now listen up. This last discovery, discovering that the body of the Lord was gone, this last discovery would not be that glorious at the beginning. Fact is, it would be heart-wrenching for the disciples. It would shatter their hopes. This discovery would shatter their hopes. The word hope means expectation. It means an attitude of anticipation with the expectation that something good will happen. An expectation. Hope is an attitude of anticipation with the expectation that something good will happen. Expecting to obtain some good. Expecting to obtain some good. Now, to get the full picture, let's take a moment and let's put ourselves in the shoes of the early followers of Jesus as to what had happened in the last week of Christ's life to really get the picture, to understand where people are in their attitudes and what their, where their struggles are, what they're really dealing with right here. First, in the last week of Christ, we have the glory and we have the pageantry of Palm Sunday. That's followed by the tumultuous week of the Passion following Palm Sunday. Then we have the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, we have words and rumors of betrayal. Then we have the dramatic trial. And then, of course, we have the gruesome and the tragic crucifixion on Christ of Christ. And then on Sunday, we have more rumors. This, this rumor begins to be made known of His body that's no longer in the tomb. And then some people are saying they had actually seen the resurrected Christ. This has been quite a week for the followers of Jesus. But now we focus on these two disciples who are taking this 7-mile or 11-kilometer distance to their home, bewildered and confused and disillusioned. They're in pain. They're in sorrow. One of them is named Cleopas. And the other we don't know for sure. Perhaps a close friend. Perhaps even the wife of Cleopas. In fact, a number of Bible scholars put forth that it was Cleopas's wife because they're going home. And when they got home, they made a meal. So most, or a number of Bible scholars believe that it was it was Cleopas's wife. And uh, some say also because they were arguing. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I read that in one of the... One thing we do know. <laughs> one thing we do know. For them, it all seemed hopeless now. And in this journey, as these two disciples are caught up in dark conversations, suddenly 
a stranger joins them. This stranger is Jesus. But these disciples are kept from recognizing him. To them, listen now, we're about to make a discovery. To them, Jesus is an interruption. To them, he is an interruption. And it's amazing to me that in the midst of their bewilderment, in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their reasoning and disputing, they did not dismiss this stranger. You know, when you're at that point where you're really struggling, it's, 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 it's a real challenge to be interrupted. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But they did not dismiss this unknown individual. They allow him to enter their pain. They allow him to enter their painful, miserable state. And oh, how they would come to rejoice that they did so. And herein lies the first truth to discover hope when hope seems lost. Number one, give God permission to interrupt you. I believe in my heart there are individuals here today who are desperately in need of hope. I believe the Holy Spirit has really put into my heart, yes, you rejoiced and it was an amazing Easter. It was an amazing time in His presence, but you went back to the situation. You went back home. Give God permission to interrupt you. How are you? Let me ask you a question. How are you with interruptions? Come on, let's think about it for just a second. How are you with interruptions? For most of us, interruptions are annoying. Nagging distractions that take us away from the important things of life. Now, to these two disciples, their discussions were the most important they had ever had. This this discussion they're having as they're walking back home, it's the most important that they've ever had. And here comes a stranger. This stranger shows up, and he just kind of, joins in with them as they're walking down the road. And not only that, he asks them about the content of their dialogue. It's like, you know, all right, you've already interrupted us, but it looks like you're getting nosy now. This is, 
you know, this is, we're, we're in a lot of pain here. We're in a lot of challenges here. And <laughs> you obviously are not being real sensitive because you're, you're asking about what we're talking about, which to us is the most important discussion we've ever had. In fact, it appears that Cleopas was really annoyed. He almost spoke, it was almost condescending. He said in verse 18 of Luke 24, one of them named Cleopas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem. I mean, he's going to get, kind of give him a piece of his mind. Somebody said, stop giving people pieces of your mind because that's why you don't have any left. And, and Cleopas is going to give him, he says, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. His response did not put Jesus off. Jesus said, what things? <laughs> What things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was. He was, not is, he was. A prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was. A mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people, but our leading priests and our religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped. He was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. In answering Jesus, it's obvious that they felt let down by God. It's obvious they felt let down. They felt disappointed. They had been counting on Jesus to be their Redeemer. They had developed high hopes in this prophet who was powerful in deed and powerful in word. Think about it. Aren't we the same sometimes? Aren't we the same way sometimes? We put all our hopes in God for answering some prayer for us. A new job, a spouse, we make the team, we get the promotion, and now it's the third day. Now it's the third month. Now it's the third year, and we haven't seen the results we haven't seen the results we desired. So we find ourselves disappointed. We find ourselves disillusioned because we didn't think God was supposed to work that way. Anybody here today? We find ourselves disappointed. These two disciples were so caught up in their confusion and hopelessness, they were missing resurrection, literally looking them straight in the face. They were so caught up in their discouragement and their confusion and their feeling of hopelessness that they were missing that resurrection power, literally looking them in the face. Listen, church, when things go wrong, don't go with them. Come on, when things go wrong, don't go with them. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. After listening to the dashed hopes 
of these two disciples, Jesus begins to address their dilemma. Oh, thank you, Lord. He becomes the navigator of the conversation rather than the interrupter. He becomes the navigator of the conversation. Come on, if we'll just quieten down, if we'll just settle down, if we'll just give God permission, if we'll just take a moment, time out. Come on, let's just take a moment. Jesus will begin to navigate. He will begin to navigate the conversation. And what we consider to be an interruption suddenly begins to become insight, discovery. Huh? But you got to give permission. You know the first thing Jesus did? The first thing that Jesus did? Once they gave Him permission, He said to them in verse 25, How foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You know the first thing Jesus did? For those who were hopeless, considered it to be a hopeless situation, He rebuked them. And you got to learn a lesson here. you got to give God permission to rebuke you. Because if you don't, if you can't handle the rebuke, you're not going to handle the revelation. He has not yet revealed him. Oh, come on, somebody. He has not yet revealed himself to them. But it says he began with, How foolish you are. Oh, we weren't expecting that. Thanks a lot. It's like, man, we are already. No, 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 no. They had already given him permission to interrupt them. And if you give God permission to interrupt you, slow you down, just take hold of you for a second and just begin to deal with you. Don't, don't run when the rebuke comes. The rebuke is setting you up for the revelation. The rebuke is setting you up for the reward. God, get us, God, get us straight. Come on, we're serious about this. We're not just playing games. We want this. We want to make every discovery, God. We want you to take us by the nap of the neck, work us over, deal with us, God. So Jesus, he wasn't necessarily soft and gentle. He issued the rebuke, and then you know what he did? Woo! After the rebuke, he started with Moses. He, he started with Moses. Then he went through all the prophets and he began to speak of all of those truths concerning himself. See, if you don't run away from the rebuke, come on. If you take it and repent, God will... It's a, it's a divine setup. God... God's going to take you into greater things. You're going to make greater discoveries. Why not give God the permission to navigate your life? And then finally, in verse 29, they begged him, stay the night. Stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. They begged him. Jesus acted as though he were going to go on. I love that word, acted. I love that. In the New Living 
uh, translation, it says Jesus acted as though he were going to go further, going on his way. He really actually, he desired and he longed to come and be with them and to take more time with them. But something is required of them first. They begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. Think about this. These disciples made a split-second decision, discovering a way for the supernatural renewal of their hopes in asking Jesus to stay with them. To discover hope when hope seems lost. Number two, invite God to come inside and take control. Invite God by His Spirit to come in and take control. Look to Him. Come on, He is our hope. He is our strength. Look to Him. Keep your eyes on Him, but invite Him. You know, we are so professional at handling everything, trying to work everything out for ourselves, and then at the last minute, We say, okay, Lord, we really do need you. Would you come (laughs) and help us in this matter? You see, human nature will always seek for control when things begin to appear hopeless. Human nature will always seek for control when things begin to appear hopeless. It's amazing. We're told that Jesus, when he entered their home and they made a meal, and I love this, you know, it wasn't, it could not have been, it could not have been a, a sumptuous affair. These people had been gone for a week. It was just, it had to be just simple, a simple meal. And Jesus took what they had. And this is amazing to me. He took the bread that these two disciples had provided. And the Bible says he broke it and he served it. The guest becomes the host. Jesus took control. Jesus walked into their situation, into their situation where they had very little. Jesus took what they had. He took control. And the moment he broke that bread, they recognized him. Whether they saw the nail prints in his hand, we don't know what. They they saw and they recognized Jesus and then Jesus vanished. The guest becomes the host. He loves you. Why not relinquish control and invite him to be the master for he is with us in the battles we face. Our sorrow is turned to joy and excitement. Our timidity turns to boldness. In this life, church, we will face troubles and battles, dark times, difficulties. We must invite God to come and take control. Come on, relinquish control. Give Him the reins. Let Him, let Jesus come in. He often comes in the most unexpected ways to help us, to heal us, to give us new hope, to bring us through. Church, He has not abandoned us. He has not abandoned us. Reflect right now on the fact that you can trust God 
with your life. You can trust Him. You can depend upon Him. You can trust Him to come to you. You can trust Him to accept your invitation. It may appear that He's going on, but if you will take a moment and just invite Him, just cry out to Him, beg Him. I love that word. They begged Him. Stay the night with us. God, I need you. God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I, 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 I've tried long enough to deal with this situation. It doesn't appear it's ever going to change. But God, I look to you. Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today and forever. What you did back then, you will do again. It's amazing to me on Easter Sunday, we have these words, we had hoped. Come on, this is the reality of Scripture right here. I love this. On Easter Sunday, we have these words, we had hoped. He was the Messiah. But oh, the day did not end that way. The day did not end that way. The Bible says that after Jesus departed and vanished, they looked at each other and said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us along the road? And they arose immediately and they walked that 11 kilometers back in the night. I read from historians that that particular route from Emmaus to Jerusalem it's just full of thieves. Full of thieves. Bandits. They didn't care. They didn't care. Their hopes were renewed. They had discovered renewed hope. They arose not fearing, walking back to Jerusalem, saying, we have seen the Lord. The Lord has come to us. The Lord has come to us. Oh, He has not left you alone. You will discover new hope. You will discover new encouragement. You will discover strength to carry on through the ups and the downs of life. The fire within that burns with passion will be rekindled in Jesus' name. Give Him permission to interrupt you. Give Him permission to interrupt you, invite Him inside and you will discover the rekindling of hope and peace and joy flooding your heart and flooding your home. Give Him the glory. Give Him the honor. We worship you, Jesus. I want to leave you with these words. In the end, In the end, it will be your hopes, not your hurts, that will shape your future. In the end, it will be your hopes and not your hurts that will shape your future. Pastor, right now, right now, I need a divine interruption. I want to give God permission right now to interrupt. Hands up right now. I'm, I'm, I'm at a place, Pastor. I, I need to see. There's just this situation. There's just this thing that I, I just need God by the Holy Ghost.
to interrupt. Come on, lift your hands. I want to give God permission right now. I want to invite. There are others who say, I, I've already given him that permission. I want to invite him right now. I want to invite him. I've tried. I've reasoned. I've disputed. I've done everything I know to do. I want to invite. I take hands off. And I invite him to come and take control. I invite him to come right inside. Deal with me. Rebuke me. Whatever. Whatever I need. Whatever God wants to do in me. I want to extend him an invitation. I want God's hand on me. I want God to deal with me. I want God to deal with my situation. I want him to turn it around. Come on. Hands are up all over this house. Father. We stand together in the name of Jesus to make a discovery today. We stand together right now to discover in the name of the Lord, first by giving you permission to interrupt. God, we've been going full speed, working and trying to deal with it ourselves. God, we give you permission. Lord, we give you permission. Come by the Holy Ghost. Come walk along beside us. Oh, God, deal with us. Speak into our lives. Lord, you, you, can, you can turn it around in the name of Jesus. Lord, come and reveal that word to us. Come and display that word into our situation. Thank you, Father. We invite you right now. We invite you, God, to come. We invite you to come on the very inside and take control we release God. We take our hands off of it. We say, God, you're in control and we give you the glory. We thank you that our hopes are being renewed. Our hopes are being renewed right now. And we give you the praise and it will be our hopes, not our hurts, that shape our future. In Jesus' name we pray. Yes. Oh, come on, everybody. I really want us to celebrate today. I see, I sense hope. I sense, I really sense a renewing of hope today. I sense that rekindling of the passion, the risen Christ, the resurrection power, lifting us up above that miry clay and those situations and giving us hope afresh. God bless you, everybody. Have an amazing week. Come on. Let's go out full of hope, full of peace and joy. God bless you.